take your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, it will be behind me on Job chapter 42, verse number one. Now, I'm not going to be moving around a lot because I have a lot to say. So uh, my notes are here and I, I, don't, I, I don't want to forget anything that I feel like I need to say today. So if I'm not as mobile as I usually am, is because I have lots of, of things I need to tell you this morning and I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to tell you. So, and it's important that we pay attention this morning. I know it's very easy to get distracted and up and down and here and there and slapping somebody and playing on your phone and looking at the lights, but let's just give undivided attention to the Word of God because um, we pay attention to the Word of God. It has the potential to change our life. Amen. How many wants to hear from the Word of God today? I mean, seriously. You know, hear from the Word. And so let's give our undivided attention and whatever we're thinking about, whatever we've got to do, let's put it aside and let's just pay attention. Well, I've discovered in pastoring over 18 years that the most distracting time of the service is the sermon. People get distracted and up and down and looking here and there. And so let's just be respectful as, as we go to the Word of God. Job chapter number 42. And I want us to look at something very interesting. Job 42 verse number 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do anything, everything, and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You ask, who is this and who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I do not understand, things too wonderful for me which I do not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you and you will answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Now look at verse number 5. But I have heard you by the hearing of my ears, but now my eyes see you. Just for a few moments, I want to preach on the thought, Job-like seasons. Job-like seasons. Would you bow your hearts and would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus. I thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather in your word, and gather in your, your house today. I pray that as we go to your word, that your word would go forth in power, your word would go forth in boldness, and that everything that's said and everything that's done will bring you the glory. And everyone shouted a great big amen. Everybody say this with me, Job-like seasons. One of the things that I have discovered about God, there's lots of things to be discovered about God, and I don't think that you could ever exhaust the subject of God, and I don't think that you can exhaust God. But one of the things that I have found about God is this. God is intentional. Now think about that. God is intentional. That means that everything that God does... God has a reason for it. Everything that God does has a purpose to it. Why? Because God is intentional. In other words, when God is doing something you can see, you need to be encouraged that God is doing something that you cannot see. When He is doing something, God is also doing something when he is doing nothing. Because God is intentional. When God is moving, he's doing something. But when God is not moving, 
God is still doing something. Did you get that? When God is blessing, He's doing something. And when God is not blessing, He is still doing something. When God is fixing something, He is doing something. But when God is not fixing something, He is still doing something. Now, get this. Let it sink in. When God is moving, He is doing something. But when God is not moving, He is still doing something. Why? Because God is intentional. And when God is not moving, He is intentional about that, and He is still working out His purpose. When God is not doing what you think He should do, that's intentional. And He is still working out His purpose. It is hard for us to understand God because we assume that if God is moving in a certain direction and God is doing something in our life, then God is working. And when God is not working and God is not moving and the heavens are brass, then God is not moving. But ladies and gentlemen, let me remind you that if you look at the Bible it will clearly be understood that God is also moving when you don't think He's doing nothing. When you think God is silent, He is still doing something. When you think the heavens are brass, He is still doing something. When He isn't moving, He is still moving because even in our, even when you don't think He's doing it, He is still doing something. Now let me tell you something, and I think this is very clear. In order to understand what I refer to as Job-like seasons, the very first thing I want you to see is this, and this is so very important. Where you sit determines what you see, and what you see determines what you do. I'm going to say that again. Where you sit determines what you see, and what you see determines what you do. So therefore, I won't always understand what somebody is doing because I don't necessarily understand does that make sense I don't understand what somebody is doing because I don't understand what they are seeing where you sit determines what you see what you see determines what you do so therefore I don't always understand what somebody is doing because I don't understand what they see or their perspective I won't be able to see what you see because I am standing at a different place spiritually. I see some things you don't see because I'm in a different position than you are. Where you sit determines what you see. What you see determines what you do. Now I'm talking in a spiritual sense here. So I'm going to see things differently because I may be at a different place spiritually. I'm standing at a different place spiritually, so I see things different, and I see things from a different perspective than you do. But the Bible tells us this spiritual principle, that when you become born again, when you became a believer, when you are grafted into the body of Christ, the Bible tells us that Paul says that you are now seated in heavenly places. In other words, Pastor Doug, when somebody becomes a Christian, you change seats. Where you are seated 
is no longer where you need to be seated. When you become a believer, you change seats and you sit at a different level. You see at a different level. You see at a different perspective. When you get saved, not only does He take you out of darkness into light, you actually change the spiritual seats of where you are sitting. Can I hear an amen? You are now seated in heaven places. I am seated above my trouble. I'm seated above my adversary. I'm seated above my tribulation. I'm seated above my test. I'm seated above my sickness. You say it's going to take me out, but I see it from a different perspective. You say that it's going to bring me down, but I see it from a different perspective. I am seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Can somebody shout amen? When you get saved, you change seats. You are now seated in a different place. Why did I say that? Because the Bible says in John chapter 11, Jesus delayed His coming. Lazarus died. And Mary and Martha said, if you had been here, our brother would have not, never died. But you delayed your coming. And you know what Jesus said? Now I'm about to, I need to calm down here because I get excited. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus said this, your brother is not sleeping. Your brother is not dead, but your brother is sleeping. In other words, you know what Jesus is saying? You are seated at a different place than I'm seated. I see it from a different perspective. You see death, but I just think he's taking a nap. Did you hear what I just said? Mary and Martha was seated at a different place spiritually, so therefore they saw at a certain level, so they did what they saw. What did they do? They cried. They were upset. They were anxious. Jesus, if you were here, my brother would not have died. But Jesus said, listen, your brother is not dead. He is only sleeping. Jesus said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and I'm going to wake Lazarus up. I see it from a different perspective. You see death, but I see that he's sleeping. I see that he's taking a nap. And ladies and gentlemen, you've got to start seeing things from a different perspective. Your perspective is either your passport or your prison. You've got to start seeing things from a different worldview. You've got to see things from a biblical worldview. You've got to rise above that situation. You've got to rise above those threats. You've got to rise above those looks. You've got to rise above those uh, adversary and tribulation. You've got to rise above it and see it from a different perspective. God has a perspective, and that perspective is usually different from us. different from us. Jesus said in John 16.33, in this world you will have tribulation. But Jesus said, my perspective is this, be of good cheer, you're going to overcome the world. It's rooted in reality. The reality is, is you're going to face some things. You know what frustration is? Frustration is a result of failed expectations. When you have an anticipation that something should go a certain way and it doesn't, you become frustrated. And you've got to understand that in this life, you're going to experience frustration, you're going to experience doubt, you're going to experience uh, adversary, 
or adversity, you're going to experience things like this. Because Jesus was very clear that in this life, you're going to experience this. And some of us is what I refer to as we experience Job-like seasons. You know what a Job-like season is? A Job-like season is this. It is a season of unexpected, unexplainable, undeserved adversity. Now, hold on with me. It's unexplained. It's unexpected. It's undeserved. After you've confessed your sin, after you've made everything right, you've searched your heart, you've prayed about it. Because listen, some of the adversities that we go through is a result of what we do. Can I hear an amen? You opened your mouth and you got yourself in trouble. You did something and it caused the situation. And there are times that that really does happen. But then there are other times is what I refer to as the Job-like season. And the Job-like season is unexplainable. They're unexpected. They're undeserved adversity. Now, how do I know that? Well, we turn to the book of Job, and the Bible says in Job chapter 1 that Job was this man. The Bible says in Job chapter 1 that Job was a righteous man. The Bible says that he was very righteous and upright before the Lord. And the Bible says that the devil said to the Lord, Have you considered your servant Job? The Bible says, verse number 1. Look at verse number 1. Job chapter 1, verse number 1. Clearly tells us that Job, in chapter 1, verse 1, he was living in the land of Uz, whose name was Job, this man was blameless, this man was right, this man feared God and shunned evil. This man was a righteous man. This man was a holy man. And yet, this man experienced a season in his life that was unexplained. He experienced a season in his life that was undetected. He experienced a season in his life that was unexpected and undeserved. Job did not deserve to have all the hell that he went through. He didn't deserve that. He was blameless. He was holy. He shunned evil. He offered sacrifices for his family. This man was a righteous man. He didn't deserve all the mess he went through. He experienced severe sickness. He lost his children, lost his house, lost his cattle, lost his livelihood, lost everything. His wife turned against him and said, curse God and die. This man was at the end of his rope. And this is what I refer to as a Job-like season. What is a Job-like season? A Job-like season is a season in your life that's unexpected. It's unexplainable and it's undeserved. You've confessed your sin. You've made things right. You have done self-inventory of your life to try to figure out why this is happening, and yet it's still happening. And let me tell you, sometimes, church, there were things that will happen in your life that you don't have an answer for because it just happens. And the question that we got to ask ourselves is, why in the world did this happen to Job? Why is this story in the Bible? Why is this story in the Bible? Why is a holy man, a righteous man, a blameless man, a man that uh, shunned evil, why is a man that is so perfect, almost in the eyes of God, experiencing all this heartache? 
Because I believe that the narrative is trying to teach us a principle. And this principle is very clear that no one is exempt from trouble. Nobody is exempt from heartache. Nobody is exempt from trials and tribulations. It doesn't matter how holy you are. It doesn't matter how many church services you go to or how much money you give to the church or what an ideal father or mother you may be or an ideal church member you may be. At some point, at some place in your life, you will experience things in your life that's unanticipated, unexplained, it's undeserved, and you don't have an answer for it. You won't have an answer for it. Because the narrative teaches us that nobody is exempt from trouble. Nobody is exempt with trouble. You're not exempt from it. And the, de- the Bible says, now hold on here, the Bible says the devil said to the Lord, there was a heavenly courtroom going on here. God and the angels and Satan appeared before God, chapter 1, and said to God, God, have you considered... Your servant Job. He's a righteous man. Have you considered your servant Job? Now why is there a conversation here between God? Why is it? Look at verse number 6. Job chapter 1 verse 6. There's a conversation here. Verse number 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God, the angels of God, came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came among them. And the Lord said, Where do you come from? And Satan said, well, verse 7, I'm coming from here and there and back and forth, walking to and fro through the earth. Verse number 8, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? The Lord said, not Satan, the Lord said, have you considered my servant Job? For there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, the one who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan said, does Job fear God for nothing? Now get this. You know what Satan was trying to do? Satan is saying, is Job serving you out of convenience? I mean, verse number 10, look at it. Have you not made a hedge around him and of his household and blessed him? Satan's saying, you've blessed him, Lord. You put a hedge around him. You blessed his household. Verse number 10. He says, verse number 11, but now stretch out your hand and touch everything that he has. He'll curse you to your face. You see what's happening here is Satan is saying to the Lord, if you take all of his blessings from him, if you take all of his blessings, Job will curse you. Because Satan was convinced that the only reason why Job is blameless and holy and upright and serving God is because Job is blessed. God has favored him. And if you take it from Job, if you take it from him, he will curse you. Because the only reason why Job is serving you, Lord, is because you've blessed him and you bless the work of his hands. And if you take it from him, he will curse you and he will curse you to your face. He's only serving you out of convenience. He's only serving you out of convenience. The devil was questioning his motive. Job is only committed to convenience. If you take away his blessing, if you take away his convenience, and he'll curse you, Lord. And the Lord allowed it. The Lord allowed the hedge to come down and for the enemy to attack Job because 
we're going to see in the story how Job's character was revealed. That Job didn't serve God because of convenience. Job didn't serve God because he was blessed. Job didn't serve God because he had a nice house and a nice car and nice clothes and money in the bank. Job served God because his heart was in it. Job served God because Job loved God and wanted to honor God. And some of us need to be reminded of this principle. Some of you get really blessed. You get your tax you get your check in the mail and you get blessed and you buy a boat and you buy an extra car and you get a new house and you get another job and you forget about what God's already done for you. You forget about God in your prosperity. It's like the children of Israel. God said to them, when I bring you out, you need to make sure you put a memorial and tell your children's children that I was the one that brought you out. I don't want you to forget about me in your prosperity. Don't forget about me when you come into the land of Canaan and there's seven different types of food and it's flown with milk and honey. You don't need to forget that I was the one that brought you out of the land of Egypt and delivered you from the hand of Pharaoh. And I want you to make sure you tell your children's children that it was me that brought you out and you wasn't sustained by your prosperity. You wasn't sustained by your resources. You wasn't sustained by your good looks. You were sustained because of me. And some of you will come to this altar and you'll worship God and cry and bawl when things are falling apart. But when you get an extra paycheck and an extra boat and extra this and then things are doing well, you forget about God. Well, let me remind you, it is God who gave you the paycheck. It's God that gave you the boat. It's God that gave you the car. It's God that gave you the family. He is the one that giveth and He is the one that can take it away. Don't you get too cocky in God's presence. He has a way of stripping it down. Are you serving God out of convenience? Are we committed to convenience? Or are we committed to Him just because of who He is? Are we committed to Him because of convenience? Are we committed to Him? Job was blessed. Job was honored by God. Job was righteous. And the enemy said, the only reason he's serving you is because you blessed him. But you take away the convenience, you take away the blessing, you take away the car, take away the boat, take away his job, and let's see what he does to your face. And so God said, okay, Satan, I'll, I'll let it down. Go attack him. I'll allow it. And let's see how Job responds to this. You see, sometimes, sometimes God will knock you down so that life won't knock you out. Sometimes God allows things to happen just to reveal the depth of your character and the depth of your faith. Trouble reveals how fragile our commitment may be. Trouble, adversity will reveal how fragile our commitment may be. It has a way. When adversity comes, when trouble comes, when temptation comes, it has a way to reveal how committed we truly are. You see, Job lost his ox, he lost his sheep, he lost his servants, he lost his children. And you know what? It came one right after another. Now listen to me. I 
deal with one devastation here. Give me some time to recover and I can deal with another. But in the book of Job, it happened one right after another. He lost his ox, his, his sheep, his goats, his livelihood, his resources. He lost his home. He lost his kids. He got sick. It happened one right after another. Now, listen, I can deal with, I can deal with it if you give me some space. But when it happens one right after another, do you know what the enemy was trying to do? The enemy was trying to weaken his resolve. The enemy was trying to weaken his faith. The enemy thought he was working. The enemy thought he was winning. The enemy is sitting there thinking, I'm going to take his kids, I'll take his house, I'll take his resources, I'll take his money, and I know Job is going to curse God because the only reason Job is serving God is because of how blessed he is, but I'm going to take it from him. And I'm going to see how Job responds. So the devil was trying to weaken his faith. The devil was trying to weaken his resolve. The devil was trying to tear him down. The devil was trying to bring him down to weaken his faith. His wife, the closest person to him, said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? God doesn't exist anymore. God don't care about you anymore. You used to be blessed. You used to have that. You used to have that promotion. You used to have the car. You used to have friends. You used to be liked. But look at you now, Job. You're sick. You're bankrupt. You're busted, broke, and disgusted. Job is in a mental torment. God, where are you? I thought you loved me. I thought you cared for me. I thought you had a plan for me. But let me remind this church of something. I just said it to you at the beginning of this sermon. God is intentional. So when God is moving, God's doing something. But when God is not moving, He is still doing something. And even though Job didn't think God was doing anything, God was still doing something even when Job thought God wasn't doing anything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Job demonstrates to us today that he had an attitude of perseverance. He had an attitude that I'm going to make it. That I am an overcomer. And isn't that, isn't that, uh, isn't that the type of God we serve? We serve a God that overcomes. Can I hear an amen? We serve a God that overcomes. We serve a God that teaches us that no matter what situation you may be in, that you can overcome. Can I hear an amen? I mean, you look at the Bible. You can be in the grave, but three days later you can get up again. They can throw you in a lion's den, but the Bible teaches you can come out. You can go in the fiery furnace, but the Bible teaches you can come out. Because we serve a God that even though we don't understand everything, and even though unexpected things happen to us, and unexplainable things happen to us, and sometimes we live in a mental torment wondering what God is doing, the gospel still teaches us that we still can overcome. Can I hear an amen? The gospel teaches us that I may be down, but I'm not out. I may be out in the ocean, but He didn't teach me to swim to let me drown. Come on, somebody. I am not made for the battle to give up. I was made to war in the battle. Hallelujah. 
The three Hebrew boys said, we're not going to bow down to your gods or your statue. And even if God doesn't deliver me, we're still not going to bow. I love that. Pastor Ingo, you know why I like that? Because I believe that's the type of attitude some of us need to have. Even if he don't attitude. I want God to heal me, but if he don't, I'll still praise him. I want God to bring me out of this adverse situation, but if he don't, I'll still go to church and praise him. I want God to restore my marriage, but if they don't want to be reconciled to me, even if it doesn't happen, I'll still praise you. I'll still honor you. I'll still glorify you. It's an even if don't attitude. Oh, King, even if God doesn't deliver us, we're not going to bow down to your gods. And I'm telling you today, if God doesn't deliver you, He's still worthy. If God doesn't heal you, He's still worthy. If God doesn't give you the check, He's still worthy. If God doesn't give you the promotion, He's still worthy. He's still worthy of your praise. He's still worthy of glory. He's still worthy of honor. I don't worship Him because of what He did. I worship Him because of who He is. somebody stand to your feet and give God a shout of praise that he's worthy of glory and honor hallelujah and even if God doesn't do it I still praise you listen to this preacher this morning some of you is real committed to church as long as everything goes your way but you let, the, you let losing your job and losing your paycheck and let somebody leave you and disappointment, you have lost your faith. You don't have no faith at all. You have weak faith. Anemic faith. It takes great men and women to stand up and say, even if he doesn't do it, I'll still praise you. I'll still serve you. Job said, what do you do? What do you do when this happens? The Bible says, you may be seated, I'm almost done. The Bible says, let me just say this. You know, the Bible says in Job 1 verse 10, get this, I'm almost done. Y'all can go home and eat your chicken here in just a moment, just listen. Verse number 10, look at this. Satan said, now don't lose me, he said, have you not made a hedge around him and about his household and all that he has? Now hold on. How did Satan know that there was a hedge or like a, a fence, a protection around Job and his family? Hold on. I'm about to shout Jesus. Woo! How, how did Satan know that there was a hedge around Job and his household? He only knew it because he had previously tried to get in and couldn't get in. And that's the only reason that Satan knew there was a hedge because he tried to get in and couldn't get in. So you know what this makes me happy? Because some of you complain about all the hell that you're in, but you need to rejoice for everything that didn't happen to you. 
Hallelujah. Did you just hear what I said? I know some of you are heartache. Some of you are broken. Some of you don't understand what's going on. But can I tell you that it could have been much worse? And the reason that it's not much worse is because there was a hedge around you. There was a hedge around your kids. There was a hedge around your job. There was a hedge around your car. There was a hedge around you. And it could have been much worse. But I'm going to let you know it's not worse because the enemy tried and couldn't get in because God put a hedge around you. Can somebody praise God? We want to... We want to praise God. We want to praise God because God brought us through. And that's good. Oh, I, you know, I, I experienced this and God helped me through, preacher, and I praise God. But I just want to praise God for everything I didn't know tried to happen to me. And it didn't happen to me. I want to praise God for all the times it could have got worse and it didn't get worse because there was a hedge around me. We complain about what we go through, but we should praise Him for the things that we didn't go through because there was a hedge around us. The only reason that Satan knew there was a hedge was because he tried to get in before he couldn't get in. Do you know what Satan was trying to do? Satan was trying to bring Job down. Trying to bring his resolve down. Do you know what Satan's trying to do? Take his faith. Let me tell you something. Satan don't want your car. He don't want your house. He don't want your man. He don't want your woman. He don't want your money. He wants your faith. You know what Jesus said to Peter? He said, Peter, I have prayed for you because your faith, the enemy desires to sift your faith as wheat. I have prayed for you, Peter, because the enemy desires to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. You know what Jesus was telling Peter? Peter, I know it's going to get real rough. I'm getting ready to die. I'm getting ready to go to heaven. And you're going to have some doubts. And you're going to have some unbelief. And the enemy is going to come and try to shake you up. He's going to try to steal your faith. But I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith would fail not. And I want to let you know today, Jesus is praying for us. Jesus is interceding for some of you. Some of you feel like you're ready to give up. Some of you want to throw in the towel. But I hear the Master say, tell him don't give up. I prayed for you that your faith would fail not. Hallelujah. Is there anybody in this building that you're committed to the end? I said you're committed to the end. I said you're committed to the end. You throw me in a grave, I'll get back up again. You throw me in a lion's den and I'll pray the mouths shut. You throw me in the fiery furnace and I'll show up in the fiery furnace. Even if he doesn't do it, I'm going to serve him anyway. If he doesn't do it, I'm going to serve him. You know what Job did? Job did two things. When you, when you face unexpected, undeserved, unexplainable heartache and adversity, there was two things Job did. Job number one, the Bible says, Job 1 verse number 20, he wept. He tore his clothes. 
Job chapter 1, verse 20. Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head. Fell on the ground. He's weeping. Now listen, why is Job weeping? Because you would weep. He lost his kids. Lost his home. He's sick. He lost his resources, his livelihood. He's weeping. And the very first thing you need to do when you experience undeserved, unexplainable, unexpected adversity in your life, the number one thing you do is weep. You know what he was doing? He was acknowledging reality. Faith doesn't deny reality. Faith doesn't say, well, I'm not sick. Faith doesn't say, you know, we have this Christian cliche, how are you doing today? I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm above and but not beneath. I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out. How are you really doing? Faith acknowledges reality. Did you hear me? Jesus can't fix what you don't face. Jesus can't fix what you don't face. The Gospel is not a Gospel of avoidance. You don't avoid things. The Gospel is a Gospel of overcoming. This is what, you know what faith is? This is faith. You ready? Faith says this. God, you can change it or you can change me in it. Can I say that again? God, you can change it, but you can change me in it. And some of you desire God to change a lot of things, and God says, what I really want to do is change you. Faith says God can change it, or God can change me in it. Jesus only healed what people revealed. Stretch forth your hand. He stretched His hand forth and revealed He was crippled and Jesus healed. Because Jesus only heals what you reveal. Jesus will not fix what you don't face. You've got to come to a place in your life and admit that the adversity hurts, that I'm in trouble and I need help. And Job admitted he needed help. He wept and said, I need help. Faith doesn't deny reality. He wept. He was in tune to reality. He will not heal what you hide. He will not fix what you don't face. Jesus only heals what you reveal. You've got to come to a place and you've got to weep. You've got to admit where you're at. But the Bible says in Job 1 verse 20, the Bible says not only did he weep, not only did he shave his head, and not only did he tore his clothes, he's weeping, he's crying, but he worshipped. And right there, folks, Job 1 and verse 20, right there is where you see the victory. Worship doesn't mean I deny that I'm in pain. Worship doesn't mean that I am denying that I am experiencing heartache 
or that I'm supposed to fake it till I make it. You're supposed to faith it till you make it. Not fake it till you make it. Faith it till you make it. Worship doesn't mean that you come to church and you just act like you're not hurt. You need to weep like Job. But in the midst of his weeping, he understood that God is intentional. And even though when he moves, he's moving, but he's still moving even when he's not moving. That even though I don't see, I still can worship. Because I know that God somehow is working even when I perceive He's not working. How do I know that? Because the, the book of Job ends and Job 42 and the, it ends like this. Job finally had a revelation and the Bible says Job 42 verse number 5. Get this. I read it at the beginning of the sermon. I'm going to end with it. Job 42 verse 5 and this is what Job said. Job, These are Job's words. And Job said, Job 42, verse 5, they'll put it behind me, and I want you to see this. It's very, very, to me, I think it's significant. brings it all together because Job said something that I think that it needs to resonate in your heart and in your ears today about Job's perspective. He began to see things from a different perspective at the end of the book. Job chapter 42, and I want you to look at verse number 5. Verse number 5. Put it up there, please. Amen. Job 42, verse number 5. I want you to see this Scripture. Amen. We'll wait because I want you to see it. Verse number 5. Verse number 5. He says this. Verse number 5. All right. Job 42, verse 5. Amen. That's all right. We're going to wait. Job 42, verse number 5. Amen. I heard of you by the hearing of of the ear. But now my eye sees you. He saw it from a different perspective. Saw the unexplainable, the undeserved, the unexpected season of his life where Satan almost broke down his resolve. Satan tried to prove that the only reason you're serving God is because God's favored you and you're blessed. But Job had a tenacity. And he rose above it. And he saw it from a different perspective. That even though it was allowed to happen to him, in the end, he saw it from a different perspective. It doesn't matter what happens to me. It matters what happens in me. He saw with a different set of eyes. He saw from a different set of eyes. He wept. He worshipped. And so ladies and gentlemen, we learn from this story today. This narrative. We learn that faith doesn't require us to deny reality. The faith tells us that God will either change it or change us in it. We've learned today that when we face the unexpected and the unexplained, 
We've got to weep. We've got to acknowledge it. The gospel is not a gospel of avoidance. We don't avoid things. We learn that trouble really does reveal how fragile our commitment may be at times. We've learned that even though we don't see everything, but we also learn that there are things that may have happened that the hedge has protected us from that we don't see. We learn that God is intentional about everything. When God's moving, He's doing something. And when He's doing nothing, He's still doing something. Because God is intentional. We've learned today that we're either committed to our convenience or we're committed to Him. The church has taught us real well how to serve. The church has taught us real good how to give. The church has taught us real good how to prosper, but the church has failed to teach us how to suffer. Because some of us is so mixed, we have an American theology instead of a Bible theology. We're so Americanized that even the Gospel is American. If there's any suffering at all, it's not of God. Any trouble at all, then God's against me. Any heartache, I'm giving up. If the Bible don't agree with me, we live in an age where everybody hears from God. I hear from God. I hear from God. God told me this. God told me that. God said this. God said that. It's amazing that your God is always agreeing with you. And if your God is always agreeing with you, you might be worshiping an idolized version of yourself. I just want somebody to get off of Facebook and put your face in the book and create a MySpace and get in prayer. You don't need to tell me you heard from God. Your lips will tell me you heard from God. Your feet will tell me you heard from God. Your lifestyle tells me if you heard from God. And Facebook tells me whether you heard from God. Your church attendance tells me whether you heard from God. Not your feathers that you see falling from heaven and gold dust. And I hear an amen today. <laughs> 